The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Good afternoon, you are listening to Isotopica here on Resonance 104.4 FM with me, Simon Tishko. And on today's Isotopica, we're going to try various different things. I'm going to talk to you about a very serious thing. Um, I've got a letter from the Cooperative Bank and, well, it's serious. I mean, let's face it, it's serious and I'm going to read you through that because you know as, as the letter says this letter here it's really serious um i'm going to be looking at aggression later on with a little help from a 1960s national health documentary on aggression and dealing with aggression and also we're all getting ready listen that's the sound over there of some people getting ready and listen over on that channel that's some other people getting ready yes it's coming up to resonance fm fundraising week now as you know resonance fm is put together by lots of artists who do lots and lots of things for nothing as many artists seems to do in this strange world we live in the strange economy of the arts anyway the whole of next week is going to be dedicated to raising funds we're going to be doing very different shows to usual there's going to be lots of extra guests there's going to be auctions of all sorts of things i've got a few different items up for auction including the chance to take a bath under an aeroplane wing a dc3 dakota in an aeroplane in a flat in west london yes that is a big bath full of bubbles dead sea salts rose petals and we're going to record it and see if we can make something kind of radiophonic with it but it's got to be one of the most unique baths in London, and I'm lucky enough to use it quite a lot. And it can be a guided bath, it can be a solo bath, or, you know, we'll come up with something, but it's going to make good radio bath. I'm also going to be auctioning some of my agitation propaganda poster work, which the bits I'm going to auction, they're really foul, anti-Tory, anti-capitalist pieces um, along my foul Britannia turkeys marching towards Christmas UK 2014 day. So pin back your ears. Simon Tishko pinning back his ears, hoping you're going to pin back your ears too and see what you're making today's show. Child. Игра. 
играй мне о любви и счастье от этой души. Yeah, now I'm going to get into the details. These are the details. This is where... Okay, I'm a bad person. I got a letter from the cooperative bank. Dear Mr. Tishko, outstanding payments on your account. I'm feeling bad already. You're feeling bad for me. We may have to close your account, Mr. Tishko. Continued misuse of your account could lead to restrictions being placed on your banking facilities. These could include limiting your use of our direct debits, debit cards, or even the closure of your account. Yes, I have gone overdrawn by 15 pounds. Now, okay, the banks have had a hard time. They, you know, they gambled an awful lot of money. They lost it. All that cocaine went swimming around. Oh, yeah, we're talking the cooperative bank here, aren't we? Particularly well known for their... Well, yeah, and lots and lots of drugs. Um, and then get bailed out by trillions of pounds of public money. And they still carry on. And there's been no one go to prison. And there's been no criminal charges against this vast kleptocratic snatch of public money yes all those people no longer receiving benefits the benefits that this country can well and easily afford to make the place a more humane and delicious place to live yes the people that have lost all those have lost those to pay the banks but not only to pay the banks to simply satisfy the misguided and ignorant foul neoliberal notions of what the world should be and it's not what I even want to live in so I'll, I'm either going to become an angel go and move into another country or change banks although I've almost run out of banks to use so mm, bitcoins girls and boys bitcoins girls and boys let's go on to the next section shall we 
ce sera tout à fait comme à la radio. Ce ne sera rien, rien que de la musique. Ce ne sera rien, rien que des mots, des mots. Sur l'autoroute, ça n'empêchera pas de parler d'argent. Ce sera tout à fait comme à la radio. Ça ne sera rien, juste pour faire du bruit. Le silence est atroce. Quelque chose est atroce aussi. Silence, tout juste un peu de bruit et rien de plus. Tout juste un peu de bruit, n'ayez pas peur, ce sera tout à fait. entreront dans une ambulance et ils jetteront dans la rivière un jeune homme blessé à la tête. À cette minute, une vieille dame ivre morte gémira seule au dernier étage sous son lit et ne pourra plus bouger. À cette minute, un Espagnol sera bien content d'avoir trouvé du travail.
Mais n'ayez pas peur. On sait ce que c'est que la radio. Thank you. 
вина до дна лихое пью. И в нем я скрою грусть свою. Моя душа безумно влюблена. На сердце лишь одна тоска. Играй мне, цыган, лишь по счастью, Ушедше далеко играй же О том, что нет ее, обвинен я. Налейте мне скорее вина, Играй мне о любви, Счастье, что песня твоя оплакивал себя, играй мне о любви и счастье, и так играй, как никогда. Никто больше в жизни, как я, любит и грусть. И так много не пережив, Играй мне о любви и счастье, От сердца и души
has started already. I'm sorry. We had a bit of upset in the ward. I came as quickly as I could. All right. Go in quietly. <laughs> is extraordinarily complex. But whether it's a primitive instinct necessary for self-preservation, or whether we think it comes as a, well, response to frustration, one thing is certain. Aggression is a normal reaction in each of us. Part of the business of, of growing up is to learn how to direct it into useful channels. Now we're going to look at a piece of film. Show some scenes of young children before they have learned to control their aggressive urges. What children want at this age, they want with the whole of them. They haven't learned yet that other people have needs and wishes just as urgent as theirs. But because we humans are social animals, we want to be liked by other people and to like them in return. We want to work and play together. Our natural aggressiveness can give us drive and purpose for all sorts of activities, and we can find outlets that are socially acceptable. But here in a mental hospital, we often have patients who can't live peacefully with other people. Psychopaths, for example, who haven't come to terms with their aggressive tendencies. How can we help patients who are aggressive? Could we give some thought to this problem? Let's see if we can discover what lies behind any incidents in the wards. Equally important, let's try to analyze our own reactions. Our personal relationships with the patients make a great difference to their behavior. We can talk this over when we have our next discussion. The more we can understand both our patients and ourselves, the nearer we are to building, well, a calm and helpful atmosphere in which the patients can get better. A truly therapeutic community. Thank you. We've had a bit of an upset in the ward this morning. That's why I was late. Can I borrow your notes, please? Oh, you'll never be able to read this scribble. Don't I'll copy it out and let you have it this evening. All right. Okay. Same time, same place. See you then. Bye. I left the lecture, I thought quite a bit about what Dr. Daniel had been saying, trying to relate it to the actions of some of our patients at the villa. There's a chap called Andrew Lewis, for example. He's an aggressive psychopath who's been sent to us by the courts. We find him a difficult customer, not only because of his occasional outbursts of violence, but also because of his insolent manner and his uncanny knack of setting the staff one against the other. Talk about the patient's problems of aggression. Andrew's a past master at making us feel aggressive among ourselves. Henry, yeah? How do you expect me to carry on my work party and get the shed painted when they tell half the patients they didn't come? But I didn't tell half the patients. Andrew Lewis told me he'd sprained his thumb, so I told him he was to tell you, and if you thought it was bad enough, you'd let him off. He told me you said I've got to let him off. Oh, give me a break, chum. I don't usually interfere. Don't you? This isn't the first time this has happened. Oh, come off it, mate. Surely you two know better than to let Andrew Lewis run you like this? Come on, give me a hand with this list for the trick match tomorrow. Dr. Daniel's lecture gave me food for thought, too. It was the very next day that something happened to precipitate an outburst from Susan Morris. She can be very impulsive at times. Sometimes she starts on an expedition of her own that has some special meaning for her, though it's difficult for us to see what. This time she began to wander down the ward with stiff and awkward movements. She seemed to be on the lookout all the time. At one moment, she had to steady herself on the table. I was wondering whether to try and persuade her to join the others. She doesn't like being interfered with, but she'll only get worse if we allow her to retreat into her fantasies too much. Just then, Mrs. Croft came up to show me her new glasses. To please her, I tried them on and said, pretty powerful lenses, aren't they? Everything looks about twice as clear. Susan turned round and stared at me. Then it happened. 
Sister and another nurse were on the spot before she could hurt me. It was over almost as quickly as it started. Susan suddenly looked terribly small and lost, as if she had just come back from another world, a frightening world in which she'd been made to do things she didn't really want to do. Sister seemed to know exactly how to reassure her and bring her back to everyday life. As for me, I hadn't been hurt at all, but I admit I was shaken. This wasn't the first time Susan had gone for me. Why me? I hadn't even been speaking to her. After lunch, we all turned out to watch a cricket match. Susan was allowed to come too, as she seemed to be back to her usual withdrawn self. The match was one we'd looked forward to, Patience versus Star. We've got some good players on both sides this year. told me how he got his blue at Cambridge and played at Lord's. Well, I took that with a grain of salt. But I find there's something rather interesting about this young man. Although I know he doesn't cut much ice with Henry and the other male nurses. I was glad to see Joan at the cricket match. I'm not so pleased to find Andrew making up to her. Beats me what she sees in him. There you are. Andrew's stock in trade is his charm, which he can lay on with a trowel whenever it suits him. The ward staff and I had some discussion as to whether Andrew Lewis was well enough to play. He can be very violent at times, but this is the sort of calculated risk we feel justified in taking. After all, the hospital is a sort of social laboratory in which patients should be able to test out different ways of behaving. Sometimes they can only learn how to live more normally through trial and error. So we try and create an atmosphere which is as near as possible to life in the outside world, yet sufficiently controlled to be safe for experiments.
Susan was going to become upset. She had a currant bun on her plate and began to stare at it. It looked a bit like a face. Suddenly she started gouging the eyes out and giggling. She had a currant bun on her plate and began to stare at it. It looked a bit like a face. Suddenly she started gouging the eyes out and giggling and giggling. She had a currant bun on her plate and began to stare at it. It looked a bit like a face. Suddenly she started gouging the eyes out and giggling and began to stare at it and giggling and giggling and giggling. She had a current bun on her plate. She had a current bun on her plate. She had a current bun on her plate. She had a current bun on her plate and began to stare at it. It looked a bit like a face. Suddenly she started gouging the eyes out and giggling. I diverted her attention with some chocolate biscuits, which I know she likes, and managed to get the bun away. Susan would be all right, at least till we got back to the ward. And she was. I went back to Andrew's ward to see how he was getting on. I was glad to learn that the sedative hadn't been necessary. As charge nurse Waters was having a quiet session with him, I didn't interrupt. There'd been quite a lot of interest among the staff about the two recent outbursts of aggression, so we arranged a special meeting to see what we could learn by pooling our knowledge and our experience. But Susan gives you absolutely no warning. One minute she was wandering down the ward and the next minute she was at me. But you didn't say anything to her? No. Maybe something was going on in her dream world which made her aggressive and you just have to be there. Could it be that you disturbed her world in some way? Could there be any connection between the glasses Joan was trying on and eyes in the current bun? Remember the eyes in those paintings of hers? Her paintings show clearly that she wants to escape from an all-seeing eye, which may be a symbol of her feelings of persecution. Somewhere in the picture you may find her crouching in a safe, protected corner. She often tries to hide away in the ward. I suppose that's part of it. That walk of hers, it looked as if she was waiting. Supposing in her dream world, she was trying to find a safe place where no one would see her. Voices urgently tell her there's danger in being seen. Everyone will know what she's doing. sorted out with all of the patients, you might as well take a vow of silence altogether. That would be a terrible sentence for you, my dear. Now, the way I see it is, we can't hope to understand all their delusions, no matter how hard we try. But as long as we realize that it's nothing against us personally, we can keep a calm relationship with our patients. But you're bound to personally. At least I am no use pretending I don't. I think I've got some idea now how this particular incident happened. But you see, she goes for me more than the rest. Why me? Do I get in her way accidentally or, or what? Not necessarily. Would you admit to being a little uncertain of her? 
Well, yes, I am a bit. I sometimes have to nerve myself to go up to her. Well, do you think that might communicate itself to Susan in some way? How do you mean? Well, now, you've got to remember that she's even more bewildered than you are. She's lost. Maybe she panics when she senses your fears, or maybe she wants to hurt you. But if you can go on helping her, in spite of these outbursts, you must want to help her a great deal. And that's what she desperately needs to know. I think I see. To me, a schizophrenic patient like Susan isn't too difficult to understand. You can make allowances. But when you get a chap like Andrew Lewis, he seems to cause trouble for its own sake. He's crafty. It isn't if he's psychotic. He knows what he's doing. He may not be psychotic, but he is, well, quite as much a sick person as Susan. Mr. Waters, you spent some time with him. Perhaps you could tell us a bit about his history. Yes. I've managed to piece together quite a lot, partly from talking with him and partly from what Dr. Daniel has told me. The main thing that comes out is that even when he was a baby, no one really loved him or wanted him. His father seems to have been a hard, violent man, and his mother a sick woman herself. The father was actively hostile to the baby, and his mother completely indifferent. was made up of unhappy incidents. The mother rejecting the child and the father going for it. When he was about five, the father did a bunk. Mrs. Lewis sank further into apathy. By now, in this unloved little boy, the ability to love had been stifled. From now on, he was growing up with an essential factor missing in his makeup. He would lash out with rage and hatred, especially at anyone in authority. He was destructive, he lied, he stole. He had a deep and bitter grudge against the world in general. When he was 12, he'd been sent to live with foster parents because his mother couldn't cope. They were a very decent couple who wanted to make him a real home. But already it was far too late for Andrew to return their love. On the surface, he could be as nice as pie when it suited him. And then, his resentment would burst out in apparently senseless destructiveness and cruelty. He could no more help these outbursts than a lame man can help limping. Punishment meant nothing to him, and he was incapable of learning from past experience. In time, his foster parents found they could no longer cope with him. So this wretched boy grew up against a shifting background of people trying to help or reform him. Children's homes, child guidance clinics, juvenile courts, the lot. Eventually he is sent to us for treatment. The unhappiness of the child has been driven underground. And on the surface we find the spivvy character who is often so difficult to understand. When the umpire told him to get along off the field, it was authority pushing him around again the same old pattern. He met the situation in the way a small child might, by lashing out. I do believe he's so warped that he's incapable of behaving in any other way when he's frustrated. Well, I know many people think he's a difficult cuss, but I hope I've been able to give you enough information to get him a bit more sympathy. I think we can probably help Andrew best at this point by examining our own feelings towards him. You know, I'm not certain we've got to the bottom of this business. Why did he attack Nurse first? Why not the umpire, the father figure? How, um, how do you get on? Not terribly well, I'm afraid. May I ask you two a personal question? Mm -hmm. I noticed at the match that Andrew was trying to make a hit with Joan. And Joan didn't mind a bit. Would you say there was a bit of rivalry there? Well, I didn't think that. Well, he does rather. It was just a thought. 
Yes, you have been listening to Isotopica here on Resonance 104.4 FM with me, Simon Tishko, your resident sonic artist, amongst my many peers and guests and other people who are also sonic artists. We all are these days, let's face it. But anyway, hope you've enjoyed today's diversion and detour through my sonic archives, friends and acquaintances, bits and pieces, odds and sods. Next week will be a special fundraising edition of Isotopica. Please get your gyros ready, girls and boys, because um, bitcoins, gyros, credit cards, delta cards, visa cards, whatever people use these days. Personally, I don't do anything. I'm a barter person, but there you go. I'm just an old hippie, really, in many ways, but uh, not a... In the meantime, uh, if you want details of today's Isotopica and recent Isotopicas and future Isotopicas, you can look at www.theculture.net, follow the links, where you can also find details of the Resonance Fundraising Week and how to directly sponsor this show and maybe even become a guest on this show. There's all sorts of possibilities. Just follow the links, use your instincts net-wise, click, 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 mousy fingers, and... Um, there's so many ways to pay as there's so many ways to play anyway that's me for another week uh, the show will be repeated at sometime Friday morning possibly 5am for our American listeners out there in America land and um, in the meantime this is me Simon Tishko signing out reminding you once again the website is www.theculture.net thanks for listening tune in same time same place fabulous resonance 104.4 FM This program was brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Visit our website at resonancefm.com to hear our vast range of original 24-7 broadcasts. Resonance is a not-for-profit broadcast platform and relies on public support. If you like what you've heard, make a secure donation at resonancefm.com.